Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of The Simple Christian. Uh, this is your host, Josue, and uh, you guys are in for a treat. Um, in today's episode, we have Heather. Um, she's been in this uh, co for nine years, um, and she has a large story, huge story, full of details. You know, it seems like um, everyone I've met who's came out of this cult, um, their stories differ, but I think this one specifically is very different because um, her husband came in and he wasn't a non-believer. Um, so with no further ado, actually, Heather, thank you for coming in. No worries. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Heather, I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you um, just sharing your story with everyone else who's listening. Um, I saw that you, you reached out to me. Um, can you maybe give me a kind of a reason why you would go as far as maybe sending me a message to do this? Well, um, it's pretty fresh. You know, my last service was in 2019. Um, so I've just been, you know, going through the process of healing. Um, I had, a, I have a lot of scars, you know, from World Mission Society, Church of God, and I'm still healing and I've listened to many videos from former members. I've listened to podcasts um, from, you know, your podcast and uh, they've inspired me to speak out as well. Um, I think, you know, it could be possibly healing to mm -hmm. finally speak about my journey and uh, just kind of let it out, you know, just, yeah. just kind of, it's different when you just keep it bottled inside. I think that everyone who used to attend, who is a former member, I feel like it would help them, you know, if they spoke out yeah. on their story and just let it out. Um, so that's why, you know, I reached out to you and I feel like it's different if I was to go out of my way and make a video, mm -hmm. um, because it's a little bit more pressure. I think it, it's a little bit easier to speak, to actually speak to someone. Right. So that's why, you know, I wanted to reach out to you specifically and, uh, feel as though I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right um you said you were listening to the previous episodes of people who've um, yes man how was how was that when you first um first encounter your first you know former you know church of god member speaking out so in last year 2019 um you know before that i've actually never googled the church i never went on any websites i was very obedient um, <laughs> when I was told that I would spiritually die, um, I was very fearful. You know, I feared hell. I mm -hmm. feared being tortured. I feared for my children's salvation. So I never went on any websites. I never Googled, but you know, through my journey of being in the World Mission Society Church of God for nine years, um, I would say my last year, actually my last few years, I was just fed up. I was, you know, starting to become older. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, 
uh, I guess you can say that a 20 year old is a little bit more vulnerable, maybe naive even, um, if you're not firm in reading your Bible. Uh, so, um, you know, when I first watched the former video, former member video, um, I was shocked, you know, because they gave more specifically, you know, I've watched Jeremy's video. I guess that would be the first video that I watched. Um, for those who don't know, you know, he's on YouTube, Jeremy Burgos, I believe. Yeah. Um, he, when he said he came from San Diego, that immediately grasped my attention because I'm also from San Diego, the San Diego church there. And um, I recognized him a little bit. Um, and I guess because we have, we all share, former members share some sort of, you know, relations as far as what we went through. Mm -hmm. So um, after watching his video, I just, it was all downhill from there. I went into the rabbit oh, wow. hole of just research and research. I found the examining website. Um, I don't think your podcasts were out yet because this was in like 2018 and 19-ish. Right. Um, so, you know, from there, I just watched videos and it helped me in a way, but it was also scary because mm -hmm. I was still a member, but I was on the verge of just giving up that faith. Um, so I'm not sure if you want me to share, you know, how I became involved with the church yet. Um, yes, actually, go ahead. Um, and I'll ask you a few questions afterwards. But definitely let, let us know how did the how were you um, approached? How did they encounter you? Where exactly? And um, I see that this church has a they have sneaky ways of actually approaching people. Um, and they're not your typical Hey, do you believe in God? It's it's a very uh it's like two three two three people, right? They kind yeah. of gather around you. They're about to do some um some weird spiritual ritual around you, and you're just like, <laughs> what is going on? You guys are dressed on a non-typical fashion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely been on that side of one of those members trying to use those methods on um, innocent people. So I have a lot of guilt in that, but my story is a little different. My, actually, my brother is the one who brought me into, um, the World Mission Society Church of God. Um, otherwise I probably would have never gone. Um, so I do know that on your past, um, podcast, a lot of member or a lot of former members, they say they were searching God, right? Mm -hmm. They were seeking God. And actually that was me too. I was seeking God. So I was raised in Christianity. My grandpa um, owns a church. He's a, he's a pastor. You know, I've been in the church, but um, once you become an adult, you kind of just find your way out into the world. So I had my son at a young age in my 20s, and um, I moved to San Diego um, because my um, husband at the time, he was in the military, he was a Marine. And um, we never really went, you know, to church together. And our marriage was, um, you know, at its rocky points. Um, so we were on the verge of divorce, and I was really wanting to seek God. And I actually lived on base. Um, 
on Camp Pendleton. And there was a church that wasn't too far from me. And I just was moved to just go to this church. I really wanted to get back into my faith. Um, but right before, so I had a goal to go on Sunday to that church. And right before that happened, my brother called me. He's my older brother. We were very close growing up. Um, I've always looked up to him because he never stopped reading his Bible. Um, he was really, I just really looked up to him in regards to faith and the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he called me and he told me, you know, Heather, I'm in this church and you just have to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have been looking for a church, you know? <laughs> and I was like, this is from God. This has to be from God. And he, I was like, well, tell me about the church, you know? And he didn't give me the full name. He just said church of God. And so I was just like, wow, that's a very simple, you know, name church of God. Okay. You know, very, you know, straight to the point. It's the church of God, you know, hello. Why wouldn't you want to go there? And um, he was like, you know what? He's like, Christmas is wrong. You know, that's not the day that Jesus Christ was born. And you shouldn't, you know, you should not uh, even address Christmas. You shouldn't uh, keep Christmas. You know, Sunday is wrong. Um, he kind of flat out just told me everything. He said, you know, second coming Christ came. You know, his, his name is not Jesus anymore. It's on Sung Hong. He came in Korea and there's a mother God and she's alive now in Korea. And I was like, excuse me, you know, this is not right. And flat out, I told him like, this is wrong. There, yeah. There's not even, where does it even say in the Bible about a mother God that, and she's supposed to be in Korea. You know, so wait, where does you, it say did that? You his, did you take his, um, I guess, thoughts into consideration because he's been a faithful reader? So that was one. It was in the back of my mind. Yes. And that was one of the main reasons why I chose to go to the church and, and have a Bible study. Well, actually, let me backtrack. So he it was when we had this conversation, I was just like, no, you're crazy. Okay, so I stopped and I was just like, you're crazy. And, you know, this, I'm worried for you. I'm worried for your salvation. But since I kind of fell off of my faith, I felt like I wasn't, I guess, strong enough to kind of address these issues. So I dived back into my Bible and I read and read and read. And nothing in the Bible was anywhere that I found that, you know, about a mother God or second coming Christ is supposed to come from Korea. So it was his birthday and I wanted to take him out for his birthday, uh, you know, a day out to eat or whatever at a restaurant. Yeah. He wanted me to pick him up at the church. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I was like, I called him and I was like, Hey, I'm here, you know? And he's like, well, come get, you know, come out of the car. And I was like, no, and he's like, just come out. And he's like, I'm taking out the trash. And so I was like, excuse me, you're taking out the church's trash. I was just, <laughs> I was just kind of like, I didn't like the church. And so I came out eventually and everyone, okay. When I tell you, when I came out and I came out with the stroller with my son, everyone was like in this, like, I don't know, like, have you seen 
um, a person who's kind of drugged and their mm-hmm. pupil, there's their pupils are just like huge. Right. It, it was almost like that. Everyone was just like, Oh my gosh, God bless you. What is your name? Like, I, <laughs> Oh man, it was just the weirdest thing. And, um, I met my brother and right away he introduced me to the assistants who they essentially live on the church, you know, they live in the church with the pastor. It was mm-hmm. actually, I don't know if you guys, uh, any listeners out there probably are really aware of who this person is. Um, at the time he was a deacon, but if you see um, on YouTube, he's a missionary, John Powers. So okay. he was in that church and um, he's very well known. Um, he's white, you know, and he's married to a Korean um, Deaconess Moon, and uh, they addressed me, and they were just like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I, I would love to study with you. You're so beautiful. You're so pretty." Just complimenting me left and right. It was just really weird and strange, and everyone was just very smiley. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I took them out to eat, and then when I, we came back, they wanted me to do a Bible study. And so I was just like, I guess, you know, am I late for the Bible? Because I'm used to the Bible studies where it's a big group, you know, because I was raised in church. So I'm used to the Bible study that's like, oh, everyone meets for Bible study. You know what I'm saying? And so they took me into this. First, they took my son, you know, and I've never left him. He, (laughs) He was under a year. You know, I never left him before. This would be my first time. And they were just like, no, he'll be fine. You know, I'll make sure to watch him. I just, you know, we, we want you to study. And I was just probably like, had him watching a lot of like uh, WMSCOG videos in the back. Yeah. The, the ones you see on YouTube where they have like <laughs> cartoons, right? Like, yeah. um, should we not observe the Sabbath? Right. And then you have like. <laughs> You have like this theatrical music with golden letters appearing out of the screen with like 3D glasses. You're like, whoa. Yeah. This, this is super convincing. I believe it. So they probably yeah. had your child listen, listening and watching to that the entire time you were studying. They're like, he's going to study too. <laughs> yeah. It was very heartbreaking. I mean, I was a first time mom. I was young. I've never left my son. So I see him crying. And then um, the, I guess the Korean way is they wrap the kids um, on their back with like a cloth. So he was hanging on the, the, the deaconess's back with, you know, and it was just very, it was just strange for me, but I wanted to just do the Bible study. I wanted, um, in the back of my mind, I wanted to take my brother out because I felt like this wasn't right. Oh, so, so I you, go in. So you, so you came in with an, uh, with a mission. Oh yes. Yes. Because, um, you know, I, we were raised in church and I was raised. Jesus is the way and the only way. Absolutely. So Amen. when, when I heard, you know, this, mother God. It was just very strange. So I was brought into this room and there's nobody there and it's Deacon John Powers and my brother is sitting with me and it was just very strange. I was like, where's everyone else? And they're like, oh, it's just you. And I was like, okay. And, and so my first study was the Sabbath day. Okay. So I went, I'll be honest. I was shocked Mm -hmm. Because when they showed me that Sunday is actually the first day of the week and not the seventh, um, 
I was shocked because I was raised in church and I was raised Sunday is the day of worship, you know? Yeah. So that did blow. It did shock me. And I was just like, I thought I was in another world at the time. Cause I was just like, okay, this is weird. Like, I can't believe I never noticed that Sunday was the first day. He even brought out the calendar and then brought out the dictionary and all that good stuff. So I guess at that time, at that point, I was like, okay, that's strange, but you know, let's get to the good stuff. I had so many questions and he would say, well, we'll get to that. We will get to that. We will get to that. So kind of just kind of um, brushing off my questions and sticking to what he wanted to teach me. So after the Sabbath, we went to the study secret forgiveness of sins and how we were angels before in heaven. And we were cast down to earth because of our sins. So when I was shown that study, I, it's almost like they want you to feel guilty for who you are, for being on the earth. Okay. So, um, at that time I was going through a lot. So I felt, I did feel guilty and Mm -hmm. he, the way that they flipped back and forth from verse to verse to verse, not sticking to the full context. So like, they'll show you Proverbs and they'll show you like, see, you know, in Job, God said, you know, you, you were here before the earth was formed. How can that be possible? But if you read the full context, and I, I would recommend others doing that as well, you would see the full Job, the book of Job is where God is kind of almost like sarcastic towards Job. Like, who are you to right. question me, Job? You exactly. know, were you here before the earth fo- was formed? Like, now that I read the book of Job, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I believe this crap, you know? And so anyways. Well, I think, I'm sorry to cut you there, but I think what, what they do is a very, um, it's a tactic where they try to, you you hear it in court, it's called uh, a leading question, right? And Mm -hmm. so they don't even allow you to answer the question. What they do is that they fill in the the answer for you. Right. They'll say stuff like, so God rested and that's the day that we ought to rest. And so therefore forget about everything else. Saturday (laughs) we rest. Um, they, 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 they lead you into believing that, but they don't tell you the, that Saturday was not meant for God. It it was meant for man. Right. And that Mm -hmm. symbol, not even symbolically, but that Christ is our rest now. And so if we take away the fact that, Christ is our rest and we keep believing that we have to constantly keep working and working and working and to find some rest. Where's our eternal rest at? Is it on man's deeds? Is it on me keeping the Sabbath that will eventually promise me or grant me the rest or does the rest come from and is accomplished in Christ? That's my thing. That's my, that's my niche with it comes to, to this particular call. And in fact, many of them are the same way. They, they give you leading questions and they don't even allow you to answer the question. When they see that you're answering a question, they resort to trying to kick you out because they see right. that you are using your brain, that you've read your Bible and, exactly. and that apples are not oranges, but they're trying <laughs> to convince you that they are oranges. Right. And you're just like, this is not going to get anywhere. You can't have your own thoughts in World Mission Society, Church of God. I will tell anyone that's, that's who is powerful. listening. That's powerful. You can't have your own thoughts. Man, tell me about that. 
You can't. Absolutely not. And every question I had was kind of brushed under the rug. And then when you do hours and hours of studying, you forget those questions and you will never ask them again unless somehow you remember. But then by the time you ask them, you get thrown into an hour long study Mm -hmm. with no answer. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Um, It almost seems like this, this, this call always seems to extend the hand when it comes to Bible studies, extend the hand when it comes to uh, coming to church. Do they ever extend the hand when it comes to mowing your lawn? When it comes to no, helping you out in your house, no. well, when it comes to any other charitable I work. Will, I will say that they will extend the hand to a new member who they were trying to build that member's faith. So if I'm a, a new member and I'm going through a hard time with my physical life, as they say, then yes, they will extend their hand as much as they can with the permission of pastor, with the permission of an elder or a deaconess, because they want that member to rely on them. Mm -hmm. So yes, they will. But once you become grounded into that faith, once your faith is considered good faith in the world mission society, church of God, once you are preaching, once you become a leader, absolutely not you will not receive an extended hand so what and happened so what happened with this um this bible study you had going on you eventually I, eventually made... it ended you know and um i got baptized um so i didn't know oh no, oh, no. I, yeah i didn't know on sung hong's name at the time when i got baptized i was just shown that he came from in South Korea. Um, now, keep in mind, they use the Bible. So it's almost as, the, as if like, oh, we use the Bible. The Bible says this. So how can we not be telling the truth? So they almost use it and deceive that listener because everything that they're telling you is coming from the Bible. So if you are a Christian or if you had a some sort of Christian faith, but you were not firm in reading your Bible, then you will fall under the deception and you will believe it because they will keep telling you, you know, sister, we're using the Bible. We're not using our own words. We're not using our own thoughts. We're using the Bible. So anyways, eventually I got baptized. After I got baptized, I felt really strange because you hear the name on Sang Hong. So after I got baptized, we take a picture and we're like, oh my gosh, yay, sister, you know, you're a sister now. And so I pulled my brother aside and I was like, hey, what was that name? Like, I, they said the name Jehovah, they said the name Jesus. Why do they have another name? That is not right. And he was like, okay, remember when Jesus came a second time, that's his new name. And so I was just like, okay. I was like, what did I just do? Like, I was very scared. And when I went home, um, my husband at the time was actually overseas in South Korea, you guys. He was in South Korea. And I was home alone. And they gave me the brown book to read on my own. And I was trying to read it. And I think like the first chapter is about Christmas and then the cross is idolatry and something like that. And I just felt just 
I can't explain it. I just felt wrong. I felt like this was wrong. And I felt, I don't know if this is going to be weird saying out loud. So, but I felt like there was a presence there that was just evil. And, you know, I cried and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is so wrong. And I knew it was wrong. And so I told my brother that I felt this way. And he said that I just needed to keep studying. And that was, that was Satan trying to get me away from the truth. And I think that moment is so important for um, maybe new members who get baptized because I've heard it from other new members who felt that strange feeling that they felt wrong after they got baptized. And if you don't listen to that, I feel like that is so crucial. You, you need to listen to what you like almost what God is probably trying to tell you, but they turn it around and they say it's Satan. So anyways, I kept studying, I kept fighting, I kept feeling like I wasn't understanding the Bible studies. I even told Deacon John, you know, I'm not understanding them. I'm not understanding the Bible studies. And when they got to the Trinity, Deacon John no longer was my teacher. Um, They wanted me to switch to a female teacher, probably because I wasn't getting it. So, so where they thought that maybe having the same gender would would troubleshoot and make it work. (laughs) I, I guess so. And I'll never forget this moment because this moment I, I feel is very crucial to my being submissive to the studies is because I sat down with this deaconess and she was teaching me the Trinity. And I was always taught that Jesus is the son and God is God, the father. Okay. And then the Holy spirit is the Holy spirit. They're three entities. Okay. They're not one person. I was taught that way when the deaconess was teaching me something different. And she was telling, she got to the verse where, where Jesus was baptized. And then the father came, um, spoke from heaven and was like, I I think the Holy spirit ascended on him like a dove and father was speaking to Jesus. She came to that verse and I was like, okay, how are you guys even using this verse? It's clearly three entities. And I was like, this makes no sense. I was like, Jesus prays to God. How is Jesus praying to himself? And she was like, this is an example for us. Jesus, everything Jesus does is an example. He's teaching us how to pray. And so I was arguing with her in front of other members and all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder. Okay. And this is the missionary, a female missionary in San Diego. Everyone will know who I'm talking about because this missionary is very well known. Um, and she was like, come on, you're, we're going to study. And I was like, okay, but I'm studying with this person. And she's like, no, she's like, come on. And so she, she pulls me aside. She takes me upstairs into a storage room. Okay. Not even a Bible study room. It's a storage room. And all of a sudden she sits down with me and this is what she asked me. She says, okay, sister, what is your problem? Is your problem that uh, Jesus came as a Korean? Do you have a problem that he's Korean? Now keep in (laughs) mind, keep in mind, she's a Korean, I'm not going to straight out say to her face, yeah, that's my problem because she's a Korean. I'm not, I don't want to offend her. But anyways, I was like, no, I'm just not understanding the Bible studies. I'm not getting it. 
and she was like, okay, so she does King David and she does King David so fast. And I can't even keep, I can't even follow along in my Bible with her. So she's, she prevents me from um, flipping in my Bible and she just reads from her Bible and she's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so what Bible, wait, what Bible version do you have? So we were all instructed to use an IV mm, in, or, um, or KJV. The church no, um, we, we're instructed to use an IV there. In was there, um, was there another alternative version you guys were also like told to, to read? Cause I, I know from my understanding is that it's NIV and it's KJV based off like there's specific words that KJV, um, has or use the NIV would also like, you know, affirm. Um, I was never personally told that. I mean, we had some different versions in a bookcase downstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, if someone wanted to like grab a version, but we were always instructed to use NIV, but from a specific year, you know how there's different years that they come out with revised versions. I think it's the eighties or nineties version that they wanted us to use when they came out with that newer version of the NIV. Um, the leaders were instructed not to use that because it had certain words that were changed that we um, relied upon um, in our studies. Gotcha. So, and hey, by the way, just to uh, make a small correction here, um, the Trinity is, is one God existing in three persons. And um, this, this call definitely has a very distorted view uh, of the Trinity. I don't think any of them have actually studied the doctrine of the Trinity. I think a lot of them, um, a lot of it, almost like a lot of their history is, mm-hmm. is butchered. Um, yeah. I think when someone actually sits down and studies the Trinity and sees three person, right? Like you mentioned, you have um, Jesus baptized, the Holy Spirit descends, the Father speak. And so unless the Father and Jesus are like schizophrenic, right? <laughs> where the Father speaks and Jesus speaks also, right? But, yeah. they, but they speak on their own accord, right? The Father says, here is my son who I'm well pleased, right? And then Jesus is not the father right because the father is in heaven jesus on earth right and then and then in acts 5 you see the holy spirit right so you have three persons co-equal co-eternal co-existing three persons in the one being of god that's why jesus says i do nothing of my own accord but only that which the father tells me right so like right they're all, they're all working in unison together they're always in agreement together but they're, but it's not like the father plays the son and then he plays the Holy Spirit and then he plays himself. Like that's modalism and that's been rejected in, in I believe, in the second century uh, in church. So again, um, I keep, I, I always hear this and I'm just like, man, can this church get it right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the problem is that a lot of the members don't do their own individual research. Um, why you not? know they well because this is the truth they're told that we're told that this is the truth this is the only truth you don't need to do research why do research you know there's even a study um shoot i can't remember the the title of it but it's a study where they say are you trying to learn the god of the library are you trying to follow the god of the internet no you're trying to follow the God of the Bible. So you don't mm-hmm. need to research. You need to only rely on the Bible. That is a Bible study they use and they'll teach to their members. 
to get them to not Google the church or not rely on researching outside sources. Let me ask you a funny, let me ask you a funny question. What is the most, what is the silliest Bible study you've, you've ever had to attend? The silliest, give me the best. The silliest? Do they have a Bible study for how to apply <laughs> lotion to your, you know, your ashy needs? Like, do they have well, a Bible I would... study for cleaning your home? They have a lot of, um, so the missionary, female missionary, she was in charge of the, um, you know, sisters and she would hold a lot of um, Bible studies about how to act as a woman in the World Mission Society Church of God. Mm -hmm. She would tell you, and she would actually draw the pictures on the board of how tight your skirt shouldn't be and just kind of, um, which is good because we should all learn how to have. I guess, I don't know, like we should all be mindful as a Christian of right. to what we're wearing. I mean, that's just my personal thought. No, so I, I, never had no I agree. I agree. Men too. I think a lot of, the, yeah. a lot of us men tend to, um, you know, um, chastise women for wearing, you know, yoga pants or tight thin, tight that. But right. at the same time, you see a lot, you see a whole bunch of men wearing, you know, tank tops, no, no top. Right. Um, yeah. You know, long seams, um, shorts, short seam shirts, shorts. So, you know, we can apply this in, in both both sexes. And I think it's it's good um, mm -hmm. application, but I think it's it can be very legalistic. Right. Because if I'm right. dressed more conservative than you are, then I guess in, in my own eyes or God's eyes, I'm holier than thou. And that's just not. And that is exactly what she would teach the sisters. So it would go beyond that. It would go more like, you know, your fingernails, they need to be a certain, you know, they need to be nude color only, no flashy jewelry, Why no, not? no flashy makeup, you know, um, just keep why, it very... Why, why not? I mean, this is silly, but I mean, I not, not every color in the world that God created is, is a nude color, is a naked color or is a matte right? Um, yeah. For you females color, right? Like the sun is super shiny. I'm like, why can't my nails be shiny? I know. I mean, I was even rebuked by that. Um, we say the word rebuked. I don't know for listeners who don't know, that's just kind of um, a correction mm -hmm. um, from the church. And I was corrected by that missionary for one day, you know, I dyed my hair brown um, and I was rebuked for that. I was told, how dare I go from blonde to brown? I have to keep my hair blonde because there's not many blondes in the church. Mm. Like, how ridiculous is that? So they want diversity. They wanted more. Okay, so I was going to touch on this later on because it, it ties into my story. But um, I was taught the by that missionary, the Noah Sun study. And what that study is, is that there's three sons of Noah. One was cursed and that, and they told me that that was the African-American race. They were cursed and the whites were blessed by God. So, and that missionary even told me the reasons why, um, the reason why, you know, this is her words, not mine. The reason why the African-American culture um, has so many issues is because they're cursed. So it's harder for them to gain salvation is what she said. And at the time, I didn't really understand why she was even teaching that study. But later on, when I started bringing people into the church, when I was preaching, um, sometimes I would bring in, you know, a black female and I would be told, you know, I should bring in the females that look like me. 
Now, however you guys want to interpret that, that's on you. How I interpreted that was, hey, what looks like me? I'm white with blonde hair. I mean, if someone's telling me to bring in females that look like me, what do you guys think that is? I mean, come on. Well, um, did you guys have like huge conferences? Like, did you guys meet up like, you know, two or three times a year? Um, we had once the internet started happening and a lot of slander started happening. We did have a lot of LA conferences that we would go to. Was there a lot of black and brown people there? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not in the, in the church, but what I will say is that they are treated differently than I guess. Well, because a lot of the times if you, if a white male came into the church and his faith is established, then he will get married to a Korean female. Now, I've never, I've, not me, I don't know if other former members have seen it, but I have not seen an African-American male getting married to a Korean. Now, they, what, what they would consider very blessed is being married to a Korean. So why is only white, male, white males getting married to Korean females? Did you ever feel like the church, um, they put laws where no law exists? Yes. Okay. So like, I, that's what I think. I think that there's nothing in scripture where it says that um, marrying someone from Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Korea, um, Japanese, you know, um, <laughs> that you're more blessed, right? Like I haven't found that book or chapter or verse. So right. I, I need to find it. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think that they exalt um, people who are Asian because of the founder was Asian, right? On Sung Hong. Exactly. He was Asian. And so you have um, his multiple wives, right? Um, whoever she, there were, right? like Sing Gil Ja, Ong Swing, whoever he married, we don't know who else he got married, right? We know he had three kids and whatnot. Um, there's, mm-hmm. you know, like this, this guy obviously was living a life. Um, there's images of, of him on a birthday cake, right? On a suit. Right. There's right. photos of him like chilling, laying back, suave at the, at the ocean waters, at a beach. Right? <laughs> like we don't know what this guy has done or hasn't done. We don't know how many women he probably could have been with during the time that he was alive. Right. Apparently, being with someone who was of his race, of his kind, is better. And is apparently, blessed. yeah, yes. ex- you're blessed. And so, if that were to be the case, that would be racial discrimination. That would be being prejudiced. You're saying that one race is more. I guess it's better than every other race. I've never heard Jesus say, hey, I'm Jewish. Go marry a Jewish lady because I'm Jewish. Right. No. In fact, he says, love thy neighbor as thyself. I mean, if there was any other time where Jesus could have probably made some emphasis on people um, who are from Israel, it would have been there. It would have been love thy neighbor, but love thy Jew more than everyone else. Like that should have been a time. And I think this quote, um, I think a lot of people catch these things when they're in there. I think they're afraid. I think they're scared. I think they, they're afraid to speak up and say something because of this. Exactly. Pro- because of a probation period. It's like once you're in there for six months, you're not even allowed to ask fundamental questions anymore because you're almost assumed to have known all the answers already and you don't. You don't. Right. I mean, that's, 
I mean, my journey there is just wild. I mean, after I got all my studies in, you know, it passed a point where you finish your studies. Now you're expected to preach. I was even approached like, hey, sister, you know, are you ready to go preaching? Now, I'm a very shy person. I'm more kind of introverted. I'm not like an outgoing speak, you know, my faith on this kind of strange faith that I already have. (laughs) So um, I was kind of just told to do it. Just, I mean, I wasn't really given a choice. Not like they, they put a gun to my head and say, hey, sister, you need to preach. But it was almost like, you felt shameful if you didn't mm-hmm. preach. And so I went preaching and um, I was, after I went preaching, then, you know, you start getting those books, those sermon books, you get signed off on your sermons. Once you get signed off on your sermons, then eventually your goal is to become a leader. So, um, um, you know, my journey, I, di- I didn't quite finish finishing it, but m- with the husband that I had at the time, Um, I was packed and ready to go and leave. I had an apartment picked out with my mom. I was, you know, ready to leave him. Okay. I had everything packed and I, I had gotten baptized and the missionary, she came to my house and she was like, sister, you cannot move. You cannot leave because if you do, and you go back to your hometown, there's no church there. You're going to die. You're going to die. She kept saying that. And I was like, I can't leave my mom. Like my mom is depending on me. I told her I was going to get the apartment with her. So she's expecting, you know, half of my deposit and all that. And she brought, of course, my brother along and they, it took maybe an hour and I finally agreed to just stay and to keep my marriage with, um, my husband at the time who, you know, was, we weren't great. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, emotionally abusive. And anyways, I was told to just preach to him. So he came back and I preached to him Mm -hmm. and he didn't believe it because he was an atheist. Um, And, but he did admit that the Sabbath study was interesting because, and the only reason why he did admit that was because the majority of Christians were going on Sunday. So he was like, Hey, that's strange. Like it's going against the mainstream. So that's the only reason why he kind of was like, wow, that's kind of interesting, but he didn't believe he didn't have faith, but eventually he, he made his way to the church with me and he studied and studied and studied and he didn't believe, but the missionary was like, okay, look, just get baptized for your marriage sake. Just get baptized to save your marriage for Heather's sake. And so he did, he got baptized for our marriage and for our, whatever, my faith too. And eventually, you know, he wasn't faithful. He wasn't a faithful member. He was just kind of there every now and then. Um, So that's considered like an unfaithful member. So he, he will never become a leader. He will never do certain things or have certain advantages. I guess you can say as like, you know, seeing mother or whatever, um, because he's not faithful. Eventually, you know, we had our own path and I asked for permission to divorce him and was told no. Um, and then I asked again and I was given permission. Yes. So I moved out moved in with the sister and, um, 
the missionary was very involved with my divorce, with how much money I'm going to be getting from child support. She made sure that I was on it and that I was, you know, they're very like, um, she was very into my personal life. I feel like, um, I, I, I feel as if you, when you're saying all these things that they keep on touch, like, are you in the military? <laughs> is, is this, like, is this the army, Navy? Of course. No. I mean, you guys are really like microscoping. Like you guys are really close into my life. Um, oh yeah. Let me share something here because it almost seemed like this, um, this church again, they, they keep to, they, they, they seem to always, um, think about pagan days and pagan holidays. Um, I meant to say it earlier, but uh, I thought maybe I'll just wait till it gets later. So, do you have a wedding ring? Yes. Okay, so that's pagan, right? Right. So yes. Like in, in in traditional Greek and Roman beliefs, your fourth or ring finger was there um, thought to have a vein that ran directly to your heart. By placing your wedding ring here, you were making a strong eternal commitment to your love. So that's pagan. Um, fingers crossed. That's pagan. In ancient times, it, was, it, it wasn't one person who would cross their finger. Rather, two people would use their index fingers to make a cross. This was done as an attempt to harness the power of any good spirit that might be hidden nearby. Um, flower crowns, pagan. Bridesmaid, pagan. Gift giving, pagan. Groundhog Day, super pagan. And this one is probably the best one. This one is Nike. These days, Nike may be a, a giant sportswear company, but none of their success would have to have been possible without paganism in ancient Greece. The goddess Nike was worshipped in ancient Greece as the goddess of victory. She would often um, be worshipped after a successful military win, so it makes sense why the company would use her name to promote their brand. And you can keep going on and on oh, yes. and on. There's so much pagan. My question, or more so, my thought process with paganism is, I'm not saying that pagan things um, are, are of any good, right? Like I understand that they're pagan. God says to, you know, get away from the pagans and don't do as the pagans would do. But are we saying that God can't redeem holidays? Are you saying that God can redeem culture? Like God can't see a mess and make something out of it. So whenever I tell, I see them, oh, well, you can't celebrate Christmas. Like you, why? Because it has pagan origins because of St. Nicholas actually was a priest. So I believe he was a priest and that's how, kind of how it all started. Right. That's why I have mm -hmm. called St. Nicholas in, in, or maybe I think it was a bishop, but uh, nonetheless, um, the holiday was redeemed. Do we know that Jesus was not, Jesus was, um, was, was born on Christmas. We know he wasn't. We, we know that, um, the, the cattle and the sheep or the oxen, they wouldn't have been out at that time. It's too cold. Right. Uh, evidence point that they were probably born. He was probably born around spring. All right, cool. Right. All right. What are we to do? Avoid pagan days. And so we find there to be no day for no one because now Christians are isolated because we can't do any day. Well, no, we believe that God can redeem the darkness and light can shine through darkness. We can expose darkness and we can help people. Do we not do that with people today? The Bible says people are people, and I believe in Ephesians 2, that people are dead in the trespasses. Do we say, well, they're, they're doing pagan practices, so we, we must avoid them? No. We shine light and truth in people who are walking in darkness and show them the truth. And so, therefore, God redeems them. We don't avoid darkness. We walk right into it knowing that the word of God brings light to our way 
to our feet. So I, I think all of this, when it comes to avoiding paganism, um, this church has a way of really, um, I believe what's the word, it's like institutional, like they institute fear in all right. their members. So oh, yeah. let me ask you a question here, actually. Um, how, how does a church address depression and fear? So I guess in my personal experience, um, you know, with my ex-husband and us being both baptized, um, we were going through a lot and I didn't, I was supposed to move, you know, and I was told to stick it out, but I already knew that our marriage already crossed the boundary of what, you know, I would consider crossing the boundary as far as he was committing adultery. And, um, you know, we just were past that point, but I was advised to stick it out. So I would say for me, I was suffering from depression because of that marriage. And then to stick it out with everything that he kept doing, even after being baptized, you know, the adultery kept coming. Um, just for my health, I thought that the church would give me permission to leave, but I was still advised to stay. Um, now, I have my own personal reasons why that was, maybe because he was military and he was getting in money and I was a stay-at-home wife and they knew that if I severed that relationship, I would lose out on the ties that I was giving them. That's my own personal thought and assumption. Now, as far as the depression, I, if you saw me, I was not eating. I was a size one or two. I lost so much weight. I would cry every night just digging through, you know, these messages and finding things from, you know, my ex-husband. And I will tell you, I went to, okay, I woke up on Saturday, Sabbath. I was fixing breakfast and I found something on my ex-husband's phone that revealed something completely outrageous and heartbreaking. I had to go to the Sabbath day, right? Because you can't take a day off from Sabbath. You cannot take an emotional leave off of Sabbath. I had to attend Sabbath day with what I just found and with my depression. And I was in choir and I was in the choir room and I broke down. I, I think I was having an emotional breakdown moment. I could not stop crying. And I text my missionary and I told her that what I went through and that I was crying and I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't, you know, go out and sing in front of the whole congregation in choir. And when I tell you, she texted me and she rebuked me and she said, how dare you, how dare you cry? inside God's house. How dare you bring this here and show your brothers and sisters your pain? You need to put on a smile. And I will never forget that moment because these people are my family. I moved away from my hometown. I'm here 
in San Diego with no one, with no support from anybody other than these members, other than my missionary, who was my mentor. And I had nobody there. I had no shoulder to lean on. I had nobody. And someone will, people might say, or members might say, oh, you had father and mother. Okay, I had father and mother, but every time I prayed, I felt alone. Every time I prayed, calling out in tears to father and mother, I felt more in pain and more alone. And, you know, I will tell you the way depression is addressed there is not, it, it could be, what's a good word? It could be almost harmful to a member because you need to seek help. You need to seek professional help Mm -hmm. or some sort of guidance, some sort of, I don't know, someone sharing encouragement to you absolutely, or at least a shoulder to cry on, not be told, sister, how dare you? How dare you not be happy in the church of God? How dare you not put a smile on in the church of God? How dare you let other members see you cry? What kind of support is that? That is almost like a slap in my face at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I was already in such, um, I was already in a depression. I was already not eating. I was already feeling alone. I had nobody and I couldn't even depend on my own family, my spiritual family. That was supposed to be my spiritual family. So I, I do know because I was a leader in, um, I was a unit leader in the church of God and I was also training to be a group leader. And I will say that there were some members who were um, diagnosed as being depressed. Um, and, you know, it's considered weak faith. It's considered, yeah, so, you're not studying enough. So um, were there ever like Bible studies on encouragement? Was there ever Bible studies on building one another? Were there ever Bible studies on loving each other, um, edifying each other? Um, you know, because we, we clearly see here that First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Um, also see in, in Galatians chapter, five, um, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, brother and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. When you were depressed, did anyone at any given moment ever reach out to you? I know you said that people were looking at you, but did anyone ever reach out to you? No. (laughs) Um, There might be, so, you know, there are sisters there who are kind of like um, raised up with you who are not leaders who you can relate to. So there were some sisters who would, you know, hand out, maybe a shoulder or an ear, you know, to listen to you, but you, it's almost like you can't trust because they would run and tell your leader, 
of what you're going through. So, I mean, were there Bible studies of encouragement? Yes. Encouragement as far as keeping the faith, encouragement as keeping the feast, but no encouragement, but no encouragement in building up each other. Built, I would say encouragement and building up each other to keep the faith. Everything was about commands. Everything was about your faith. Everything was about don't focus on your emotions. Don't focus on how you feel because they even used a verse in the Bible. I don't know where it is. It's where the heart lies. Yeah, Jeremiah it, 20, 29, 11, where it says they the will heart is corrupt that. and wicked above all things. Who can understand it? Yes. Yes. And it's another, there's another verse too. I don't know, but something Mm -hmm. about how you can't trust your heart. You can't trust your emotions. Everything, any Bible study that we received was only about looking towards heaven, looking towards father, mother, looking towards your faith, not about the issues that, that we receive here on earth. Everything was like, Oh, it's because you're a sinner. Oh, you're suffering this because you're a sinner. Oh, you you have depression. Depression. That's because you disobeyed father and mother in heaven, and now you're here on earth. Everything was about that. Everything. So when so when Proverbs eighteen eleven says that you know that Christ is our strong tower, and that we are to run to Him in trouble in times of trouble. What kind of trouble is he is he speaking about? Is he just speaking about you know certain troubles? Is God a God of no emotion? Does God not acknowledge the fact that when we're sad, that he's our comforter? Is he not our comforter? Is he not our mighty, our mighty God, our counselor in Isaiah? They make God to be this senseless, emotionless sort of dictator who only, who only cares about your deeds, your dues, but does not care about how you feel. I don't know what God they're worshiping. That's not the God of the Bible. They definitely do snip out, you know, with their scissors, snip, snip, right? All the verses that talk about how God loves us, how God, right. how God descended and died for us and, and took our pain. They definitely do mention, I mean, they definitely do focus on, you know, how Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, but they more so focus only on that when the feast of I, I believe it's the feast of unleavened bread where um they show the passion of christ movie every single feast of unleavened bread and they focus on that and we're supposed to fast that day but um as far as addressing mental issues um absolutely not i mean now i want i want to point out that i was baptized in 2010 Okay, so the church has changed over the years. Now, I will say they were more cold-hearted towards the earlier years um, as far as your emotions and your mental state. Now, I guess because of the slander, they kind of changed ways. But um, I think it's important to note that because some members will say, oh, I've never experienced anything like that. Well, It depends on the year that you were baptized and it also depends the missionary that I had is very well known as being um, hardcore. And um, so 
I suffered a lot of emotional abuse from her. I was told I was naive. I was too naive and too sweet to be a unit leader. Um, I was rebuked for dyeing my hair brown. Mm. I was rebuked for being late, um, bringing lunch for everyone because that wasn't my fault. That was the people who were making the pizza's fault, but I was still rebuked for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was rebuked for countless things. I mean, after my divorce, she wanted me to marry a brother. Okay. She pointed out a brother and she said, what do you, what do you think about him? And I was like, I'm not attracted to him. And she, I got so rebuked. I was told I was shallow. I was told that I'm a sinner and I don't deserve a good husband. I was told, and this was all in the sanctuary, wow. you know, and I was so belittled. Mm. And so eventually, yeah, I got married to him because I was being rebuked. I was being told I was a sinner for speaking my mind for not, I don't even know this brother, you guys, like, I, I can't even not, I can't stress this enough. Like this, there was so many emotional scars that I have still. And I don't even know if I'll be able to ever be healed from them. So you feel like yeah. they, they do a, a damage to your psyche, to a lot of the, the members. psyche. Absolutely. A lot of members who come out of the church of God, they go back to their old lifestyle. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's something because they, I want to say that they, they, when they bring you into the church of God, they fill a void and every single person has a void. I personally feel that is on this earth mm -hmm. and whether it's because they don't, they're not some people, you know, fill the void with money. Some people fill the void with sex. Some people fill the void with drugs. Whatever it is, there's a void there. And I feel like the World Mission Society Church of God takes advantage of that void. And they feel it so drastically with love bombing, especially for members who are away from their family. They feel it and they take advantage of it. And it, it hurts you to the point where you have nothing left to even care anymore. Like I was just going to the church out of habit, out of just being there. And I couldn't, I remember addressing this problem that I have where I couldn't pray anymore. I was having problems praying to father and mother because you're supposed to pray at a certain prayer time, like two times a day and then pray like 5 a.m. mornings and all that good stuff. Once you're a leader, I couldn't do it anymore. And I, kept telling my leaders that and they just said to force myself to do it until I can just get over it like there's no real I don't know I just I mean I I, I went into this marriage because I felt guilty because I felt like I was a sinner I yeah. felt you you feel like you're a sinner so much that you will do anything that they tell you you will absolutely do anything that they tell you. I got married. This marriage was not from God. Okay. It, it was just horrendous. I came to my missionary and I said, I want a divorce. I was told that this brother is faithful. He doesn't, he's not faithful. He, you know, 
whatever, all this stuff's going on. I was, I told the missionary I wanted to divorce him. She grabbed me by my elbow and pulled me into a study room. And it was the worst rebuking I've ever experienced. She yelled at me. She told me I was a sinner. I mean, that's their favorite thing to say. You're a sinner. How dare you? Mm-hmm. How dare you, you know, undermine father and mother. Mm. Um, so eventually I kept asking, even though I kept getting rebuked and instead of asking for a divorce, I asked to just move out. So I moved out and, um, eventually I left that branch and I went to the Escondido branch. It's still a part of San Diego, but it's just, um, a different city. And so how did you, how did you respond when she, um, kind of reprimanded you there when she just yelled at you i cried and i cried and i felt are you not are you not allowed to respond and and backlash like oh no absolutely not absolutely not i mean i was already a leader at that point so i already knew what was allowed and what wasn't allowed and um so when you're a leader you like forfeit your grace card you forfeit you know, this human humanitarian part of you where it's like, we don't care about your feelings anymore because right. you're, you're at a higher position. You, you have this position that like, we treat you now like an animal, not like a human. Like exactly. that's just, that's not right. It's like, that's had, not right. I was not allowed to feel, I was not allowed to have my own thoughts. I was not allowed to say what I thought was right or wrong. And you were in there for nine years. Yes. And it was, uh, okay. I will tell you that I, when I became a leader, there was a point now, remember I, I couldn't pray anymore. There was a point where I just became a robot. Almost. I just woke up, went to my job, went to the church, went home. Same thing every single day, leading other sisters. I had to lead other sisters knowing good and well that I couldn't even pray to father and mother, as they say, I mean, what kind of hypocritical leader am I? And so I was already feeling guilty as it was. I felt like I shouldn't even be a leader. I went to see mother in Korea. Um, um, I don't know if anyone I can't remember if a former member on your podcast spoke about seeing mother, but Uh, we were, oh yes. Okay. So we were coached on, you know, what to expect, you know, she's, she's in human form, you know, things like that. Anyways, I saw her, I came back, nothing special really. I mean, I asked her something. I asked her like to save my, my husband and she was just like, amen. And that was it, you know, nothing really special. You just do Bible studies all day long and you get fed. And anyways, I came how was home. The, how, was the, how was the food? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. absolutely amazing. But um, I came home and um, I was, I felt uh, like emotionally drained when I got home and I told yeah. my leader and they're like, that's normal after you see mother. Anyways, getting to the main point, I moved to Escondido branch to get away from 
the brother that I just got married that now I'm about to divorce again. So now I'm going through another divorce in Mm. this church. Okay. And so I moved away to a different branch. Um, and, um, when you move away to a different branch on your own choosing, you lose your uh, leadership title. So I, I'm stripped of my, my unit leader title. I'm now just a regular sister. Um, and I start over again. And um, still, I couldn't pray. I was still having issues. Um, now here, and the reason why I wanted to bring this, this um, one up really fast is I, I don't want to take too much time, but I feel like it's important because this is what led up to my leaving the church. Um, so um, I go to this church. Okay. And the new leader there, he's a missionary. He's not Korean. Um, so that's probably why he's a missionary. You know, he's not a pastor. Um, and he's asking me, you know, when are you going to get divorced? When is your divorce? When is your divorce? And he kept asking me and asking me and asking me. So, um, finally I get divorced officially. And then right away, he asked me if I'm interested in a brother. Okay. Like I already had a bad experience with an arranged marriage. Now I'm getting asked again about a brother. I said, no, I are, I'm not going through this again. If I'm going to get married, I want to choose my own. I'm choosing mine this time. Okay. And so I told him that, and I actually preached to my now husband and he's still my husband, even after we left. Um, and I asked him, I said, I'm interested in him because he's my fruit, meaning I preached to him. I knew him from work and I knew him enough and, um, he allowed it. And so we got married and, um, now I'm, I'm a unit leader. Now I'm being trained to be a group leader. Now this is what led up to me leaving because being trained to be a group leader, um, or being a group leader is, uh, just, emotionally, physically draining. Okay. I have a kid and I'm there from, well, I work, but as soon as I get off work, I rush to the church of God. I rush there and I eat my dinner and then I go preaching and then I study with sisters. And then after I study with sisters, I have to clean Zion. Okay. And then after I clean Zion, by the time I'm done, it's 11 PM at night. And I have a child. I have a new husband. Mm-hmm. I want to spend time with my family. I want to cook dinner for them. Yeah. I told my leader that. I said, I want to spend family time. I want to cook dinner for my family. I want to sit down and I want to eat dinner with them like a family. Mm-hmm. And I'm told that I'm being selfish. I'm going to be a group leader. I need to spend my time in Zion. You know, I should just eat dinner with my sisters and spend time with my family on like another time when I have on time. Sunday on Sunday. No Sunday. I had to be there every single day. I had to be in Zion. Sorry. Church of God, because I'm a leader now I'm in charge of like 15 sisters and I have no time. Okay. I'm at work and I'm telling you, I'm getting text upon text upon text. I have no day off. It's so overwhelming. And remember, I'm already having a problem with my faith and praying. So on top of that, I'm having sisters come to me with their issues. I'm having to study and to preach and totally neglect my family at home. I mean, 
And then I have to go through a DA course, it's Disciples Academy. And um, this is where you learn the studies again, over again, and then you preach them. And then you have to bear like, uh, I think it was two fruit, meaning you have to get two people baptized within only the course of like four weeks or eight weeks or something like that. And then this missionary who was in charge of that branch, he made it to where it was required to do um, a boot camp like physical fitness. And so when I tell you that this physical fitness was not just like, oh yeah, a couple of jumping jacks, it's fun, haha. No. Yeah. It was just like military boot camp. Okay. I was doing like mountain climbers, I was doing sprints, I was doing jumping jacks, push-ups, sit-ups, you name it. How was for- any of this part of the church and and discipleship? It is not. And you know what he would tell us while we were doing it, while we were sweating, while we were just, I was feeling nauseous to the point. He was like, go ahead and throw up, you know, go throw up. If you need to throw up, then throw up on the side of the, on the side of the street, but we keep going. So if I was slow, he would make us work harder and longer. If someone else was slacking, he would make us stay longer. And this was at like 9 to 11 p.m. at night, okay? And he was rebuking us while we were sweating. What's the the gain for him? What does he gain from doing this? I absolutely have no idea. Um, Maybe to, maybe this is some sort of tactic to make us stronger leaders, I mean, how, does, how, does, how does physical fitness promote or help people to become stronger leaders? In what way? Because from my understanding, um, physical fitness is good. It helps you with, with a lot of, um, I guess, you know, like uh, anatomically with your health. Yeah. But, but becoming a stronger leader isn't so much, hey, we have to work out at 1130 at night. Being this a stronger leader. Just- mm-hmm. This wasn't just any physical fitness. Now, when I tell you that this was almost on the verge of like torture, like we. <laughs> I, That's crazy. That's why I, mean, I, I would have packed up my stuff. I'd have been like, bye, Felicia. I know. Away. But the thing is, when you give up, it is you are looked down upon. You have weak faith. Now, I was being trained to be a group leader. So there was no way I could give up. Because, hey, I'm going to be a group leader. How can I be an example if I give up? So I was hold at like a higher standard. And um, this was, at, we would get out of our, it would start at like 9 p.m. and end at like on 10.30 or 11 p.m. at night. And while we were working out, like he would have us hold our arms straight out, like as if Jesus was hanging on the cross. And he would um, have us hold out our arms so long and yell at us and say, you know, just talk to us and, and yell at us and say, what if your kid died? Would you lose your faith? What if, what if somebody died? Would you lose your faith? You know, you guys are sinners and just kind of just rebuking us while we were in pain. It's almost like a tactic that a cult uses. Um, almost so every very time much I, so very yes. much so i mean uh cults tend to do things that are not orthodox they do things very unorthodox uh your typical church is yeah there's nobody there at 11 30 at night uh, let alone nine o'clock at night 
In fact, yeah. most, most times I've ever been to a church for a Bible study, they're kind of gone by six in the afternoon because they all have families and kids to go to. And so like for this person, for this individual, he sounds single. It's 1230, probably 1130. No, nope. he's married, got a family. I just don't see. I, I just don't see when, when scripture tells us that man should leave, his, leave his, his parents to be joined to his wife, his wife, right, or her husband become his or her priority. She's my priority. If you're, oh, taking, no. if you're taking me away from my wife, then you're disobeying God. You're not allowing me to make my wife the focus. I'm not able to honor my wife. I'm not able to cherish my wife. I'm not able to love her because you're keeping me at a distance. And so at that point, it's like the church really promotes singleness. They probably, they probably are telling people, hey, if you can be single, go right ahead. But if you're trying to get married, how about you help out with the illegal immigrants who are coming from China, from Korea? Like, go marry, go marry a Korean while you're at it. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that to me is crazy talk. It's crazy talk to even hear that. And I'm just kind of like, let me ask you a question. Where, where is your husband right now? Where is he at right now in, in, his, in his, I guess, walk? Well, not, I would say not very good because, um, the, that physical fitness that I was telling you guys about Mm -hmm. that is what led up to me leaving because he would, my new, now mind you, we just got married, right? Mm -hmm. He would pick me up from Mm -hmm. doing the physical fitness. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got in that car, it was like clockwork. I would just break down crying uncontrollably and him being kind of newly baptized and also us newly married. Um, that is what kind of made him, uh, just not understand because he was also raised in church. He didn't understand how this came from God and he started questioning and he was struggling in his faith more so than I was even at that moment because Mm he was so upset that this missionary who is a leader would make us go through so much pain. I, I mean, I would come home crying. I would take a shower and cry in the shower. I would cry in bed. Like he, he saw the, it's almost like he wanted to break us down and build us back up for a stronger faith. Like, I don't know. And I failed the class, right? I failed it because I didn't bear, I didn't preach the, and bring someone in. So I had to write an essay and, um, the essay had to be like a certain amount of words. And I, it's really strange. Cause, um, I showed my husband, the the essay that I wrote and now like recently I showed him and as we're reading it, we were like, Oh my gosh, because all I say in that essay to him is I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. I'm, I can't believe God chose me almost like just completely down on myself. And, um, my husband, you know, is his faith is, I mean, he's not reading the Bible, you know, he's, he's just like, I guess agnostic now. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we still want to go to and find a church, but I would say that I, it's more on me at this point to, um, 
kind of make that move. That's tough. That's really tough um, because sometimes when someone has a a wrong uh, interpretation of something and they have some emotional entanglement to it, uh, it's hard to kind of convince them otherwise, right? Like right. if I had a really bad experience at a restaurant, it's very likely I'm not going back to that restaurant. Right. And, you know, I think, I think for your husband, um, you know, I really do hope that he understands that this was not biblical Christianity. And even though they hold the label, uh, so, does, so does Mormons hold that label. Um, so, right. so does Jehovah's Witnesses um, hold that. Um, but if I were to show you a movie and I were to chop the movie up in multiple um, parts, eventually showing you the entire movie, right? I'll show mm-hmm. you, show you the, the mid part, the last part, the beginning part, and the in-betweens. And then a movie is finally over. And I say, well, that's the gospel. Because that's the only gospel you remember, or at least the only gospel that has been explained to you. You're going to take that movie and have a really bad interpretation. You're going to have an unclear context of what's going on and what happened. And that's what you and that's what your husband has been displayed. You, you guys had an extremely horrible experience with this cult. This, this cult did not teach you the Bible. I, I find that amazing whenever they jump from left and right and left and oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just read an entire book? How about, we go, how, how about we start with Galatians? I think that's a really good book to start. Um, it only has uh, six chapters. We'll, yeah. we'll begin there. Um, probably wouldn't take <laughs> us no more than an hour. Actually, if we speed read with no hands up, we'll get done in 20 minutes. Right? Yeah. And you guys would easily stop within chapter three. And well, they started promoting um, because I, I think because of the less slander, they started um, asking members to read their Bible on their own in their yeah. own time and yeah. i it wasn't like that in the beginning of course but no heather i i thank you for for coming in i, I really do thank you for for sharing your story i mean definitely was heartfelt i'm just here i put my my mic on mute uh, don't think that i was just trying to do something else i was just trying to not disturb you and and you know what you were saying i was just trying to understand what you were saying trying to um kind of hear everything you were saying and, and even your voice. I was like, wow, this is, it's the reason why many people who lead this cult do not give Christianity a second thought. A lot of them turn right into atheism and they stop believing in God in its entirety. Or if not, they'll go into agnosticism, which they're kind of borderline fencing atheism. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a, a 30 seconds or a minute uh, for those who are listening in who are present members. Heather, um, I would love for you to share or say something to them. So what would you say to them? Um, I would just tell them, you know, former members are not demons. They're not someone who is any sort of type of, you don't need to fear them. You know, um, they're human beings. We're human beings. And I feel like you should hear us out and be understanding. Um, 
those who are, you know, in the World Mission Society Church of God, maybe you didn't have the same experience as me, but that doesn't mean that my experience didn't happen. I have no reason to lie about my experience. And um, I just want you to understand that it's okay to do your research. It's okay. It's it's actually not in the Bible where it says, where they say you will die or you're eating the tree of knowledge, good and evil if you do research. Um, I mean, what kind of loving God would sue for millions in the court? You know, that is not of God. If you can't realize that, I mean, you need to pray. Yeah. I mean, just pray you don't have to pray in the name just say god please show me what is right because a god i i just personally i just it's not godly to Mm -hmm. sue for millions i mean why even sue for that amount of money in the first place yeah um and then not only that but why make videos and all this about former members who have spoke out about how they're this and that i mean why does it matter right if you're if you have the truth why why rebuttal you know right i mean if it's if it's true it's true allow allow truth to to make its way allow truth to go ahead and do that right i mean it's true right um right i think a lot um you made a good point there i don't think god is against education i think right god uh encompasses all things i think um logic and reasoning they have to abide by god and so god can't do something that's illogical so i don't think god is against education i don't think god is against literature i don't think god is against reading and researching i don't think my god is a god who is just about knowing you know i don't know staying ignorant or whatnot educate yourself read read go online Study your scripture. Is that not part of education? Studying scripture, right? Right. Doesn't and the Bible? I will, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I will say because I know members will say, "Well, you know, all your questions can be answered." But I actually addressed my leader with my questions and never got answers. And I know I'm not the only one. So if mm-hmm. the truth, if this is the truth, then why haven't I received the answers that I've? Yeah, and if, and if the truth is so imperative for them, if the truth for them is so important, then I would love to see the World Mission Society Church of God do a public forum debate with an actual Bible scholar. I would love to see this church debate <sighs> some Bible teacher in front of zero people or 50 people and bring all their church members in there. And let's see how far they get when it comes to reading scripture in its context. They fear that very word. They fear context. They fear someone who actually knows the language of Greek, like someone like Dr. James White, someone who knows Old Testament, like Dr. Michael Brown. These teachers will school them. And, And I'm not saying that to try to sound harsh or sound like, oh, you know, you're big and bad. No, it's just... Cults have a way with not commercializing their cult, but they do it with paper handout. They, they do it by going out into the streets and talking to people, 
But when it comes to a actual educational conversation, they flee or they say, well, here's my number or go talk to your local church body. Go over there and ask them these tough questions because we don't know how to answer them because all we know how to answer or all we know how to do is parrot. All we know how to do is repeat. We're robots. We're, uh, we're not allowed to think. And if we think, God forbid, it's something educational and we're condemned to hell because of that. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. But Heather, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, if you mind, uh, I'll, I'll put your email address on the description below. Maybe someone can go ahead and contact you. Um, sure. Yeah. And um, uh, for everyone else, I'll make sure I put the link of the, the understanding of the Trinity on the description below. I would also put um, another link on the bottom that talks about God has emotions. Jesus wept, right? We can weep, right? Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, right? So there's a lot of passages in scripture where it talks about people being comforted, Jesus weeping, Jesus feeling. So um, if you're a present member and you're struggling with feeling and depression, um, just take account that, you know, Jesus also felt and, and we can also feel and he can also counsel us and, and he's not afraid of our feelings. So with that being said, guys, um, may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you guys in all blessings. Until then, God bless.